brothers and sisters. It's great to be in the house of God, amen? I am truly, truly grateful for all the testimony conducted by the team in Sarawak. And I think uh, what Daniel and the team have shared has paved way uh, for my message today. And I must say, this is, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe that God really wants to speak through, from, starting from the testimony all the way to message. So I do hope that you will catch on to this message and uh, you would download as much as you can in order to learn and to see what God wants to do with our life, okay? Now today, I'm entrusted by Pastor Mike uh, to share on 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 to 11. And the topic that I'll be sharing with you today is entitled, Called to Love. Called to Love. Now, I would like to do something special. Not every week, right? Uh, day in, day out, we do things very routine. But today, I want to do something special. And I believe in the participation of the members in the Word of God. So therefore... What I'm going to do is that later I will show you the PowerPoint slide for the scripture. I would like to ask the brothers uh, to read seven and verse 7 and 8 while standing up out loud. Then later on followed by the sisters for verse 9 and 10. Lastly, for verse 11, we will all read it aloud together. Can we all do that? So I make sure you do read it out loud. Eh? Now, as for the online members, uh, there are something that I would like you to participate also. Of course, I won't know if you stand up or not. But I would like you to do this. At the end of the reading, I want you to type in the chat box, May God bless His words. Okay? May God bless His words. And I'm sure uh, the Lord has a word for us today. Amen? So let's begin. Uh, why don't we start? Uh, can I ask the brothers to stand? As we prepare to read the Word of God together. The brothers, I need your voice now, loud and clear. Verse 7 to 8. Ready? One, two, go. Okay, I ask that you remain standing. Now I would like to invite the ladies uh, to stand as we will read verse 9 and 10 together. Ready? One, two, go. Now together, let's read verse 11. Let anyone who hates a brother or sister in darkness. Let's bow and pray. Dear Lord, as I entrust myself before the congregation, I ask that Lord, may you speak through your word. And I pray that whatever word that is delivered purely comes from you. And it will be words that will edify the body in general. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may please be seated. Now, from the passage that we have just read, we saw that the Apostle John here is encouraging the readers to follow the command of God, which is to love one another. John here specifically tells us that the command that he's saying here is not something new, nor that it is something 
that he has crafted on his own. Rather, he said that this command is actually an old command. What he is doing, he is only reiterating whatever that was commanded by God. Now, the question here we must ask is, then what is this commandment all about? Now, if you look at the book of Matthew, there is this incident, if you would remember, where Jesus was questioned by the expert of the law on the greatest commandment. They asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Let's read uh, from Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 to 40. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Later on, we also read in the book of Romans where Paul reiterated what Jesus had taught. Paul said in verse 8, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves other has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be, are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now to Paul, there is an inseparable link between the obedience and loving God and one's neighbor. Therefore, that is why Paul said, love is the ultimate fulfillment of the law. Now, you may say, okay, Nick, I get what you say, but didn't John state in the verse that he said that the readers had already knew it? In verse 7, we see that John said, this commandment is not something that is new, nor that this commandment has been with the people since the beginning. Therefore, loving one another is something that the reader would have had since the beginning then why would John reiterate here? And to make it confusing, to make it confusing, suddenly, in verse 8, John introduced that there is this new command. In verse 8, it says, Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because darkness is passing, and the true light is already shining. So, what is this? old and new command about? Are both of the commandments related? Think about it. Why would Paul say in verse 7 is something that they knew and yet Paul in verse 8 want to introduce something new? Is, Paul, eh, sorry, is John trying to bring out a new commandment? Is John trying to craft out a new commandment? The newness pointed out by John here, it's not the command to love because the people knew it very well. But the new commandment that, God, that John is asking his reader to see is that it is the perfect manifestation of the love. It is the perfect manifestation of the love. Knowing is one thing, right? John, it's not tackling whether the members know about love or not. But how should one practice it? 
How should one love? Or should I say, how should we love? You may say, hey, I don't see that in John's passage. Uh, just now we see John didn't teach me how to love. Uh. <laughs> right? No, but the, I told you, right, the reader knew it from the beginning. It's something that they already knew. And in fact, if you know the four gospel, you see how our Lord Jesus has magnificently illustrated this truth in the upper room hours before his death. Hours before his death, he illustrated this truth. Hours before his death in the upper room, what did Jesus do? Jesus do promises uh, that, oh, my fellow disciple, I will prepare you a nice place in heaven. And then Jesus also promises that my peace will be with you. Then also promises that he will send the Holy Spirit to them. And then also pointed out that my disciple, if you continue to abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Wow, hearing all this, uh, you already see, wow, God really loves the disciple, isn't it? God has displayed his love, isn't it? But do you know that Jesus displayed his most gracious love in his humbling service to them? John chapter 13, verse 1 to 17, record what has happened. I only sum it up in short for you. In verse 4 to 5, it says, So he, Jesus, got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus lay, God lay, cannot imagine what would I feel if Jesus were to stand before me and wash my feet. I have this one experience before, not Jesus, uh, uh, but Pastor Mike, uh, Sister Michelle's husband. Where one year, one year during youth, uh, we decided uh, to celebrate Easter in a more Jewish tradition. And we celebrate by eating the Pascha meal. Uh, during then, uh, Pastor Mike illustrated the whole passage. And he asked all the leaders to suddenly come up to the front. And then he washed our feet. Wow, I tell you the feeling, right? <laughs> Not only it's awkward, it's just something that, you know, it's hard for you to accept. And this pastor, you know, I cannot imagine uh, if Jesus himself uh, were to wash my feet. Uh, wow, I don't know what will I do. Uh, I think I might go crazy for a week. But through that little example that Pastor Mike has displayed, after the experience I had, I realized just one thing. Wow. Pastor Mike didn't just say only, love, 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 love. But he practices it also. And immediately, after what he had done for me, I wanted to do the same for others. I felt that who am I that high and mighty should be up there and not serving the people down below. If the Lord could have humbled himself, all the more I should, isn't it? And that is why we see, starting from verse 12 in the book of John, chapter 13, Jesus, after washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. 
And then he asked, Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know this thing, you will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed if you do them. Jesus' ministry in the upper room manifested the heart of God. And that is perfect love, perfect sacrifice, and perfect humility. Perfect love, perfect sacrifice, and perfect humility. If anything defines this love from the human side, it is humility. And because of that, sinners are radically humble to the point of self-hate and self-denial. In fact, we also read, you know, when Jesus displayed His love, the sinner, like the tax collector in the book of Luke chapter 18, we see what, the, what, what was illustrated uh, in, book, uh, in the book of Luke chapter 18, verse 13 to 14. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said what? I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humble, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. When we receive the love, the love that we receive should humble ourselves to a point that we want to do the same. To a point that you felt that, you know what? The grace that I received by right, I'm not worthy of it. By right, I'm not worthy of it. Now besides that, I also want to point out one thing. Love should not be transactional. Love is not transactional at all. The Lord did not love us because of what we have done for Him. Rather, God Himself loved us because He is relational. Therefore, I urge you, if you do have any thoughts to think, that I should love one person with the expectation of receiving something back in return, then don't do it because that is not love. That is just a transaction. Just like what I do for you, you do for me back. Alright? Like I pay you 100 ringgit for that Gua Musang, uh, for that Musang King Durian. That's it. You just give me back. That's it. Right? You won't, you won't say the durian seller, wow, the durian seller loves me a lot eh. Gives me that durian. Right? No ma. Just transaction only what? I pay, I get what I pay. Ah. Right? Therefore, love is not transactional. But if you go to that durian store and all of a sudden, the owner say, you know what? 
I would like to bless you with this durian I want to give you as an act of love. Oh, that's love. Why? Because it's sacrificial. There is a sacrifice, there is a price to pay. Love is supposed to be sacrificial. And John here applies in what he say to tell us that this is the kind of supernatural love that we claim to be Christians should have. Why? It's because the supernatural love that we are displaying, it's an indicator of transformation, salvation, and divine life. John explains that a person that truly loves others is actually a reflection of his love for Christ. And this love then proves our salvation. Just like Jesus has said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. The Christian then, when John was uh, addressing, most of them are slaves or members of the working class. And when the gospel has reached them, they were truly enlightened to know that God loved them so much and because God loved them so much, and through the display of the love from the disciple, where the disciple loves them, they saw how this disciple has reached out to those who are lost in darkness with love. And that's why we see that the light is shining and the darkness is passing. So long we practice love, and I ask that we all practice this love, we will one day see the world will be a better place. Why? It's because even in times of difficulties, there are still a bunch of radical Christians that are willing to love one another. Some of my teammates just now share about the trip to Sarawak and all. I'll let you tell, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. After we came back from Sarawak, I received numerous calls from the members of the church in Sarawak, the Ibans in Sarawak, because we have set up a WhatsApp group for the 38 people who have answered that full-time calling. And we wanted to continue to minister them, and we want to keep their fire, continue to burn, right? So therefore, we set up the WhatsApp group. And as I set up this WhatsApp group, few of them know my contact number, they called me up. And when they called me up, do you know what they say to me, the first word? They say, Pastor Nick, saya cukup berterima kasih kepada anda dengan tim anda. I'm really grateful to you and to your team. Because I cannot see why would a bunch of Chinese and a mix of a uh, Filipino, lah, huh? Sister Imelda, sure, you're not forgotten. We came here all the way from Semenanjung to Sri Aman to minister to us. And the best part is, he said, most of you are not even fluent in Bahasa. Most of you speak in broken Bahasa. 
and yet you come and serve. And he said, because of that, it has touched my heart to see how can a people not of my group will come here and serve me and while I stand here not wanting to serve my people group. You think it might be easy, oh? To Daniel, it should be easier, lah, huh? Because Daniel is fluent in English, right? But even for Jasmine and even and uh, Felicia, I was quite surprised when they accept Pastor Mike's invitation to stand on stage in English service to share testimony. You listen to them, you know their English is not that good, lah, right? But they still want to share, leh. And from there. I've learned one thing. The love that was portrayed by, that was displayed by the team defies logic. It's not logical. And I ask you that when we love, don't only love when it makes sense. Love even when it doesn't make sense. Right? Because if God were to love when it makes sense, it makes no sense for God to love us. Right? Fair? How can it make... I, sometimes, uh, I see people uh, keep disobeying God, keep sitting. <laughs> and we still preach to them, no, God still loves you, you know. God didn't let you go, you know. And it defies logic, you know. God should be the most logical person on earth, isn't it? Why did He do so? Because of His love, huh? Because He is love Himself and there is perfect love in Him. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, can I urge you to love one another just as Christ has loved us. I ask that we will leave out this call of ours to love one another as God's disciple, as Jesus' disciple. But as, you, but as we read the passage earlier, you realize one thing, isn't it? Towards the end, uh, the last two words, uh, John has gone into a serious tone. It's not like a happy ending tone. You know, people that continue hate live in darkness. Why? It's because, just like what is stated in verse 9, your claim as a disciple, your claim being a Christian that you love one another, can be a bogus one. Claiming is one thing, the reality is another thing. Professing that we love everyone is easy. But the test will come only when we act out what we profess. It is meaningless for someone to say that he is in the light if he or she hates his brothers. Meaning to say, he does not love others selflessly as God does. And therefore, John says, because he does that, he is not in the divine kingdom, but remains in the darkness until now. John empathetically, uh, sorry, empathetically reiterates that everyone, anyone who hates his brother or his sisters, is in darkness. 
and walk in the darkness. Walk in the darkness is like you follow through your normal daily life, you know. You continue on with your life as if nothing has happened. And John illustrates that these people are likened to be people that do not know where they are going because darkness has blinded their eyes. They are like those who are completely blind and grope around to find, to determine where they are. And John described these claimants earlier as liars. Where did he say that? He said that in the same book, 1 John, but in chapter 1, verse 5 to 6. He said that this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. We lie and do not live out the truth. Unconverted sinners, devoid of love and living in spiritual darkness, cannot possibly fulfill Jesus' well-known command, and that is to love one another. And this is the command that he has originally given to the fellow apostles in the upper room, just as we have read earlier. Now, despite the serious tone, if you will reflect on it, if you will think properly, on the other hand, obedience to that command it's a valid test for each of us to see if we are genuine in our faith. It is a valid test to test us to see if we are genuine with our faith. Therefore, in conclusion, the word that everyone loves, love is the preeminent mark of a genuine believer. Love for God is the benchmark of one's relationship to Him, and the love for other people is the epitome of human relationship. I love it when John MacArthur said this. John MacArthur says what? Because love is the saint's highest moral duty to others, it is not only the ultimate mark of genuine salvation, but also provides the supreme assurance of that reality. I want you to read at this phrase again. I want you to sink in. Because this phrase, it's rather profound. It's rather profound. He's saying, because you love one another, not only it shows to other people that, wow, your salvation is genuine, your faith is genuine, but that was what from others seeing you, right? At the same time, to you yourself, it gives you the supreme assurance of that reality. You realize that your faith, if it's just not coming on a Sunday service, sitting down here listening to the preacher and preach. But you know that my faith asks me to echo 
as I echo, the more I echo, the more I am convinced of my salvation already. I want you to think about it. It's a huge challenge, you know. I tell you, I, I'm telling you honestly, it's a huge challenge. To you today, maybe you're sitting down there and say, you know what, Nick? I love everyone, you know. I'll shake hands with everyone that comes in. But I want you to imagine this. What if next week there is a bunch of homeless people walking through that door? Hey, don't even find far, you know. Outside here, only. Outside here, only. Sometimes we pass by them, uh, we have to siam them. Whoa. COVID, COVID. I'm not saying COVID is not a reality. Eh? I'm not saying that you should not be aware of it. Eh? But I'm challenging you this, you know. What if they come through that door? Eh? Like you're all smart uh, now, sit in pairs, right? So that they cannot sit next to you. <laughs> What if you are sitting alone uh, and a bunch of them uh, sit around you? Uh? What would your response be? I think I better move place. Uh. Since I sit there, I sit the other side. Or would you daringly you know, go there, warmingly shake their hand, warmingly welcome them to the service? And don't judge them because of their order whether they are being dirty. It's hard, you know, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's a challenge. Being a pastor myself, I also felt it's a challenge, I'm telling you up straight. You might say, oh, then you're a pastor, you should do more. Go out later, go and hug them, each and every one of them. <laughs> it's hard, you know. But I realize one thing, you know, if I rely on myself, uh, I sure cannot do it on Sure cannot. Just like my team, no? to Sarawak. Rely on their broken Bahasa Melayu. Ah. Sure cannot. Sure die one. But who do they rely on? Faithful. Rely on God. Ah. Right? Remember this. Ah. The ministry of Jesus ah. were always to the outcast, the despised, the poor. Sink in, let it sink in, let's think about it. It's going to challenge you, but it's a good challenge, I think. Just like most of the youngsters, I too love to watch K-dramas. <laughs> Maybe some of the housewife here love to watch K-dramas also. Recently, I watched this one K-drama, and I felt that they have these awesome lines that I've picked it up, and I think, you know, it will be relevant as I use this to end my message today. Alright? Uh, can I show the next slide? Alright. This is what the line said. Human face choices every moment of their lives. And all those various choices come together to make their lives. Even after you have heard this message, you are already faced with a decision. There is a choice here to be made. Whether you want to practice what you have heard today or you want to choose 
to ignore it. The choices that you make will affect the kind of person that you will be. The choices that you will make will affect the kind of person that you will be. So today, whether you choose to follow Christ and His instruction, or will you choose the other way? Honestly, it's really up to you. No, being a pastor doesn't mean I can exert my authority and force all of you to do it. It's not genuine. Don't practice it. I would rather you practice it when you see for yourself. When you are genuine and you want to do it, really do it. But being the preacher in charge today, it is my utmost desire to see that all of us here today will pick up this call and to answer this call to love one another just as how Christ has loved us. And I assure you this thing, if you choose to obey, just like the team who have went to Sarawak, you know some of you may say, oh, so gang, you all know, got 38 people, wow, 60 plus percent answer full-time calling. So excited, wow, the team very good lah. Hey, you heard from their testimony, you already know what. None of them should qualify for the trip, what? If you want to test them on Barca, most of them fail. Felicia even worse, isn't it? Oh, you don't know how to say, speak in tongues. Huh? Right, that was what she shared, ma. I didn't, I didn't make this up, right? But do you know, even though when they felt they are not worth it, they cannot meet that mark, ah, two weeks after we have returned, ah, today, ah, I still receive ah, people from the team ah, talking to me and say, you know what, Nick? I really miss the people group over there. I really miss the people group over there. I really want to go back and serve them. To me, I'll be like, hey, I thought your bahasa not good. Tested already, ma. Still want to go back. Ah? But most of them tell me, you know what? I really want to commit myself to serve that for another few years. What is that, my brothers and sisters? Hey, none of us receive commission if we go to mission trip, you know? Right? We don't receive allowances. And to make it worse, some of us, we have to take our own leave and spend our own money to go to the mission trip. But why do they want to do that? If it's not love, I don't know what is it. I don't see how is it not love. It's only true love that they see. And that is why from there, I learned one thing. So long you are willing to obey. Say, for example, today you are willing to shake that one homeless person's hand. I assure you, the next few weeks, when there's 10 more, you will daringly go and shake that 10 person hand. Why? It's because you realize that, hey, I'm leaving out the call that the Lord has given to me. I'm leaving out the call that the Lord has given to me. I pray, as we are going to end with this song, and I think the team picked a very good song, entitled, My Greatest Love Is You. Not I pray that as we sing that, we will not only sing to God and say, you know, God, I really love you. My greatest love is you. <laughs> to a point that we have forgotten what He demands from us. 
and that is to love one another. And I pray, even as we sing this, you too will have the desire to love one another. Not only our fellow brothers and sisters here, and I do encourage you loving one another here, but to really step up to love whoever that is around you. Be the best you can. Passing the time to the worship team. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Can I invite everyone to stand as we respond to God's word? Truly loving others start at the feet of Jesus. So let's come to His feet and ask Him to empower us, to strengthen us, to just show love to those who He called for us to love. Hallelujah. Thank you. 
some small steps that I can start taking to love and to relate to the people that I'm currently hating. And number three, in what ways can I be more Christ-like in the situation that I'm facing right now? Can I invite you to just close your eyes and let's spend a minute or two reflecting on these three questions and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us these areas so that we can transform and change and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us, guide us, bring to mind how we can love and relate to other people in a loving, godly and also an effective way for the kingdom of God. Let's spend some time with the Lord right now. Foremost, an expression of obedience 
to the command of God and this obedience is a loving obedience to God that we start to express that love for other people and Father Lord help us so that when we love we will love with the love of God and as we receive from you we also give out to others the love that is so godly the love that is so complete the love that brings joy Father God the love that is sacrificial the love that will bring joy to other people and we ask Father Lord that as we love others it will help us to overcome all the hurts overcome all other bad experiences that we have and as we love help us to bring unity to the body of Christ that we will not become divisive that we will always love and forgive and also Father Lord teach us to love souls to look beyond the four walls of the church to see that there are people in this world that needs the love of God that they would need us so that when we love you we become the salt and light that when people see us our light they will say surely something is different in the way we live in the way we behave in the way when we talk in the way when we do business in the way when we uh, go to college us today so that we will love with the love of God. Give us, Father Lord, that heart, the change of mind, the attitude to love, even though it will pain us to love, even though it will take sacrifices, but just as Jesus loved the world and died for the world to the point that He obeyed the Lord unto death on the cross, that we too carry our own cross daily in the way we love. Father Lord, we could not do that but with Jesus Christ in us, with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can do it, O oh Lord. Nothing is impossible when we do your will according to the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Bring us, Father Lord, to that kind of love. This is what we ask today. All this we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Once again, I want to thank Pastor Nick for the message. And I hope that you will remind us again and again that our love is not just a friendship love. It is not just a charity work. It's not just a generosity that we give out. More than that, it is a love of God through willing obedience to God. It shows that we are a follower of Jesus Christ when we love with the love of God. Amen? So right now, I would like to pass the time for the announcement. I would like to pass the time to